0: In this episode, I speak with founder, nutrition expert, and personal trainer, Renata Joy. Key points addressed were the philosophy and core values around Renata's lifestyle brand and consultancy work in her company, Pure Joy Wellness. We also discussed Renata's current work and future endeavors with women over 50, a population that is largely underserved and underheard from in contemporary health venues. Stay tuned for my enthralling conversation with Renata Joy. My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciacathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today I am elated to be sitting down with Renata Joy. She is the founder, nutrition expert, and personal trainer behind her website and her work. You can find out more about it at www.purejoywellness.com. Welcome, Renata.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited to pepper you through. I, I was just telling you <laughs> off the air, um, you are the, the, the in, encapsulation of the proof in the pudding, and, and our audience will kind of understand what that means as I unpack everything with you, but before I do that, for everyone listening, if it is your first time listening, I will read a bio on Renata to kind of give you a foundation of where we're coming from. Before I start peppering her with questions, but first a roadmap for today's podcast, so you can follow the trajectory in which I base my inquiry out of. I will first look at um, asking Renata to describe her academic and professional history kind of bringing her up into um, founding and developing pure uh, joy wellness and all of her work within that and then we'll turn straight to unpacking um, the website the, the particulars of the business everything all of the logistics for those early mm-hmm. followers about the founding aspects the who what when where how why founding co-founding all of that and then we'll turn towards the ethos and the philosophy behind the company culture and um, some of the theory there that i think that we not to herself is a walking um, testimony to And then we'll look at the goals and plans that Renata has for the next one to three years. That is a dialogue that has changed for all of us um, drastically with the advent of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Renata has for those of you who are looking to get involved with what she does as well as emulate perhaps some of her career success. (laughs) So, as promised, a quick bio on Renata. Renata Joy is a personal trainer, nutrition expert, and the founder of Pure Joy Wellness, a community-based lifestyle brand that helps women over 50 improve their lives through fitness, nutrition, and self-care. A former Emmy-nominated television producer, Renata started Pure Joy Wellness to teach women the importance of taking care of themselves and to show them how to regain their health and revitalize their bodies and spirits. She's on a mission to change the conversation around aging, and to give women who have been left behind a voice. At 63, Renata is living proof that you can be confident and healthy at any age. She And she's created a space where women can talk about whatever issues they're dealing with, everything from menopause, nutrition, and fitness to supplements, skincare, and mental health. So Renata, I love what you do. Um, we have a lot of platforms that indeed um, have serious intersections and parallels. But before we get into unpacking um, your brand, your lifestyle brand, and Pure Joy Wellness, I'm hoping you can kind of give us a description of um, your academic background and professional life that kind of brought you to developing Pure Joy Wellness.
1: It's really interesting because my academic background really didn't have anything to do with what I'm doing right now. I went to school for radio, television, and motion pictures So that was sort of like my goal. I was going to be, never thought I would be into TV, which I ended up going into. I thought I would be into radio, which music was always really, really important to me. I played piano and music was everything to me. So um, I was a disc jockey uh, in the early 80s for a jazz radio station because I was very passionate about jazz. Um, But went to school for radio, television, and motion pictures, and did really, really well. A week before I graduated, uh, I got a job at my first television station in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, as a production assistant. Now, some would say, if you think about this climate that we're in right now, and back in the, actually 1978 is when I got my first job in television, um, I was hired because of affirmative action. So the television station needed to hire a black person and I knew that. And so going in, I was hired for that reason, but I was also qualified to do the job. So I went from a production assistant to a uh, producer, to senior producer, to executive producer of a show called Evening Magazine. And Evening Magazine at the time was the first show that had a male and female co host I know it's hard to imagine that now, but back then only men were hosting television shows. And so this was the first time a male and a female um, co-hosted a show. And so through that particular show, I traveled all over the world. I was one of the wall peckers at the Berlin Wall to knock that sucker down. And so I have parts of the wall. I got to spend some time with Anwar Sadat, in Egypt because we went to do a story on him because he had an Arabian Egyptian horse farm. And so we went there and, um, you know, covered that kind of story. So I've traveled to every continent except for Antarctica. Nice. After Evening Magazine, I started working for NBC
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was working for NBC News. Uh, I worked there for a while, then came to New York to help start a network called America's Talking, and America's Talking was NBC's answer to CNN, because at the time CNN was the only network that had twenty-four hour was the only twenty-four hour cable network. So at America's Talking, we were um, none of us knew when we went there what show we were going to produce. So we we go there, we we come to New York and we're sitting in this room, and Roger Ailes was the head of the network at that particular time. And so we're sitting in this room, and he hands us an envelope, and they start playing the Mission Impossible music. You know what the Mission Impossible music is? Sure, yeah. So it goes, dun, 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 dun. And so we open the envelope, and we find out at that particular time what hosts we were having and what kind of show we were gonna produce. So I got e. Jean Carroll, and e. Jean Carroll, who is the advice columnist for Elle magazine, um, she's been in the news a lot lately for other reasons, um, we took her column, advice column and we brought it to television. And we were the first show of the network to be uh, nominated for Cable Ace Award. This was before cable and regular television merged it was the emmy awards we were cable yeah. ace awards and the reason we were nominated for cable ace awards is because eugene had found a lump in her breast and she was terrified and the only reason that she would go and have the surgery is if we kind of followed her along and so we ended up doing a story about what breasts mean to women and what it means to lose your breast as a as a woman it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're less feminine uh, anyway, we uh, got this award. Here We're this little itty bitty show of like five people. And we're out in Hollywood uh, on the red carpet. It was such a surreal moment. Um, nice. But NBC decided they were going to turn America's Talking into what is now MSNBC. Mm. I opted not to stay on for news because I wanted to branch out from news. So I decided to, to leave and I went to Fox and worked for a little show called Fox After Breakfast. And Fox After Breakfast was this really wacky show in a 6,500 square foot apartment on Fifth Avenue in New York City. And it was the first show that kind of constituted the outdoor concerts, curbside concerts. Now the Today Show is doing them and Good Morning America is doing them. And, if it, and Tom Bergeron and Lori Hubbard were the co-hosts at that particular time. That show eventually was canceled. And then I went to The View. And I was one of the original producers of The View. Um, At that time, it was Barbara Walters, Joy Behar, Meredith Vieira, Star Jones, and Debbie Matinopoulos. Mm -hmm. I left The View to start Pure Joy Wellness. So that's kind of the trajectory of my career and
0: that makes sense to me a lot more so now um I wasn't I wasn't read in on the view a lot of your other points I had my my crew had done some good digging but from what I understand of pure joy wellness that transition makes a lot of sense to me did it to you then when you did it
1: uh it 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 kind of did, but tell me why it makes sense to you. I'm I'm just curious.
0: So I'm an early, I I watched the first um, season of The View, and this kind of goes into my own testimony about um, coming up. The reason why I I endeavored this podcast in the beginning was um, I, growing up as a young, strong feminist woman, um, was most moved and taught by most people like me um, hearing other women's stories, any stories, carpenters to astrophysicists, just women sharing their stories and their platform and their voice was, it was like food and water to me growing up. Mm -hmm. And I did not Mm -hmm. have an oppressive household. I came up as a third generation feminist, but I couldn't get enough of it. It was, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, the the society I grew up in deprived me on such a regular basis. So the view was something that I was anticipating as it was coming out. But for me, the, okay, so it's changed a lot. (laughs) <laughs> and I won't get into any of that, okay, and I won't fall. and I like, I like shows, I think shows that don't change die, you know, um, yeah, and yeah. so I don't mind metamorphosis, and that's a whole different t- conversation, but the first season of The View, for me, um, it kind of endeavored to do Oprah Round Table, like, I felt like there was, yeah. like, they were going to bring in, a, um, and I liked the kind of even though there were different levels within it, they had these multiple host formats. And I liked the idea of like this round table of women all yeah. coming together and, and having this conversation. And for me, it felt like, first of all, flagship of its kind, mm-hmm. um, seeing a, it was. a slew of women in front of me, instead of just a token one or two yeah. was monumental, the audience as well. You know, all of these, like this, this female kingdom moment, and then, mm-hmm. also, it felt like um even though the first season was a little bit more shy about how they coded it, they were really going to start talking about women, like not women and men, but like women and issues that women dealt with,
1: yeah, I think I think uh, the concept of the show was there were the opinions from five different generations, so from twenty right. on <clears throat> yeah um what i the reason that I Decided to get out of television was was twofold one. I felt like that there was a bigger purpose for me Right as a child. I grew up in a family where I like to say if you ever saw the movie six sense And they say I see dead people I grew up I saw sick people and everyone around me was sick Um in my family and it scared the crap out of me and I really did not want to become sick um so as a child i studied everything that i could find on exercise and nutrition and anything any reason that i could prevent being sick like like my family and so i got into television and went into television and while i liked it i didn't love it hmm. and what i found television to be for me for me i found it to be a very, um, I don't want to say an abusive business, but kind of, I, 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 I'm, I'm all about women taking care of themselves. And I just saw television being anti that. Yeah. Unhealthy food, long hours. Uh, you work yourself to the grind. You're only as good as the last thing you produce. You could have produced like a, a thousand award-winning shows, but you miss one little thing and you're berated. And I just was just like, this is just too much. So I was always drawn to a bigger, bigger passion. And I really felt it was important for me to teach women the importance of taking care of yourself and also putting yourself first. I saw many, 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 many women who, who put their husbands first, who put everybody above themselves and they always put themselves last. And the generation that I grew up in, that was kind of the thing you were brought up to, you know, you, you were the spouse that does the cooking and the cleaning. And I can tell you how to iron a shirt like crazy. My mom taught me how to iron a shirt without creases in them and all that kind of, but I used to tell her, I said, but I'm not going to be that. You know, I'm not going to be that woman who is going to be ironing her husband's shirts. But at the same time, I also grew up on the cusp of the women's movement where it's like, burn your bra. Hell no, we're not going to do this anymore. And so I kind of saw both sides. So when I decided that I was going to leave television, it's really interesting because I did not have a plan. I did not have a plan. I just was like, this is my passion and I'm just going to leave and I'm just going to do it. And that's what I did.
0: So when you say you didn't have a plan, did you have an idea where you, oh, you I knew, I, mean, I knew
1: I knew what you didn't want. Be, you didn't
0: well, want sickness. Well, I knew sickness. it was going
1: to be uh health and wellness related. And I knew it was gonna be helping women get healthy. But in terms of what I know about business now and coming, you know, having a business plan and you know, all that kind of stuff. No, that's not how I started. I just yeah. decided, okay, I'm gonna do this. And my friends helped me. They're kind of like, okay, you can work with me. And through that, people would see me. And I just organically started gathering a clientele. And only until recently, to be perfectly honest with you, only until recently. Did I really think about in terms of, okay, how am I going to market this business? I get a whole clientele without any marketing, without any funding, without any anything, just by pure passion, believing, and knowing that what I had and what I am here to do was much bigger than me. Hmm. And it was so important for me, for women to understand their worth, their importance. Why, why health was so important that without your health, you know, your quality of life suffers. You know, I watched women and my family's quality of life suffer because they did not have their health. I didn't want any other woman to have to, you know, fall through that path if I could help it, if I could reach them, if I could talk to them.
0: Yeah. And I think quality of health is packaged in other ways. It's, it's appearing beautiful, being fashionable—it's never for yeah. the happiness of yeah. life, but, but, you
1: know. But here's the thing: I, I was thinking about this. It's so interesting. I was thinking about this, and I, I went back through my health journey. And in my twenties, it was all about me being really, really thin. Yeah. And how thin can I be? And mm. I did all these drastic things where I took like diet pills, and I wouldn't eat because that was—that was, you know, beauty, healthy, whatever in my 30s i learned weight training that mm-hmm. totally changed my body but the eating thing was still not there in my 40s i started gathering in okay you got to do cardiovascular work you got to do strength training you got to look at what you're eating and then i hit my 50s and i went through menopause and all hell broke loose yeah mm-hmm. everything changed when i went through menopause so what what i tell women um I see women who are exercise like a, like a thousand hours a day. I don't consider, their bodies look great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't necessarily consider them healthy though. No. You know, I, I look at health, it's a balance of a lot of different things. You know, yes, you have to, you know, eat well. Yes, movement is really, really important. Yes, you need to get sleep. Yes, you need to drink water. But you know what? You, you need to balance it all out. You know, it's like with anything, if you're all here and all there, you know, it's about, I don't consider that very, very healthy. You know, you need to have connection with with your friends and your family and, or have some kind of passion for some type of cause or some kind of purpose. You know, all of those things for me encompass what it means to be healthy. And that's what I try to teach my clients. So where I am right now, and the reason like I like to focus on women over 50 is because as I started, you know, with my training and working with women, and naturally, I started hearing certain things. Mm -hmm. Women started saying to me that were over 50, they felt invisible. The health and wellness industry catered to women in their 20s and their 30s, and left this whole demographic out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, They were going through things like menopause, they were going. They were empty nesters. Some of them were going through divorces because their husbands were, you know, leaving them for younger, younger women. They had careers. And now because of the shift in the way, you know, the corporate structure is, you know, they didn't want to pay them the amount of money that they were paying them when they could get somebody younger to do it, you know, for, for less amount of money. They were having hard times finding jobs and interviewing with people that were younger than they were and had less experience than they were. And so here are these, all of these women who had no voice, who had no place to go, who felt invisible, who felt worthless. And I'm like, hey, we need to do something about that. Yeah. And so that's where the business is now, focusing on that.
0: Okay. I want to get into, for every, um, all of my earlier audience, I will cover it um, per your request. So when do you feel, if there wasn't a confirmed time, when do you feel that um, Pure Wellness Joy was launched? Did you take funding, um, including your own? Did you bootstrap? Did you have founders? Uh, Did it launch with a website or just a, a, a Rolodex of clients?
1: Okay. So there was Pure Joy Wellness, That went for many years. And then there was, okay, now I'm turning this into a business. Gotcha. Okay. So in 2014, I decided, okay, this is really a bona fide business. This isn't something I'm doing on the side, this is a bona fide business. So um, the first thing I did was figure out the branding of the business, you know, what that was gonna be, what was gonna be my brand promise, what, and so I came up with this thing. Um, Well, one of the things I I thought, you know, like what sets me apart from everybody else that's out there? Because there's so many health Mm. and wellness gurus out there. And the thing that set me apart was the thing that in the beginning, I didn't want to say. And that was my age. Hmm. So the thing that in the beginning was like, don't say that you're this age, because that means that you're old. I said, no, no, no. That's my calling card. Yeah. So what's my brand promise? My brand promise is be young because I'm like, I'm 63, but I, I I feel young, you know, Yeah, strong. I really want women to be strong in all areas of their life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually to be strong and sexy. Every woman wants to still feel like, you know, hey, I have it. So the brand promise was be young, strong and sexy for life. That was it. So I started off by building the website.
0: You were going to say something. Yeah. Well, I was, I mean, I know, I think you're going to get there with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold back, which I'm not known for doing the, um, well, I just wonder the, so the young, strong and sexy, um, that sell into, I mean, you're going to, you're going to climb into the website, but, um, First of all, did you decide that you were only going to work with people over 50 up front or was that yeah. something that was naturally happening in the kind of informal phase of um, pure I joy think, wellness?
1: I think that sort of naturally happened in the ongoing phase. Now, I still work with, with women that are in their 20s and in their 30s, and okay. but the bulk of my clientele are women that are 50 plus. One of the reasons that is, is because I'm over 50. So I think there's this parallel of what kinds of things that I have experienced that they're experiencing. What have I gone through that they may be going through now that I can share that experience with them? Um, You know, I'm a mom. I'm a grandmom. I've gone through menopause. I've lost my husband. You know, all of these things. I've switched careers. You know, all of these things that they're experiencing, I share my experience as well. So I, I felt like they could relate to where I was and I could relate to them. So it was a natural sort of thing. The other thing is that I'm really good at listening and they really needed to talk. Mm -hmm. They really needed to talk and they really needed a place where they could settle and feel like that there was someone there that was listening to them. Because again, society says once you're past mm, 40 you know, basically what's your worth. And so, um, and a lot of women were feeling that way and I'm saying, Hey, I'm 63 and I haven't fallen apart. I'm 63 and I'm still doing this. I'm 63. I'm still doing that. The other thing is to say that I'm 63 and say it loud and proud and not be like, I'm 63, but don't tell anybody, you know? And 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 say to women, be proud of your age. Be proud of the life that you've led. Be proud of that, and not shrink down from it. So that's how that came about.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I mean, if yeah, those two things equate for me um, as an academic, as coming from a family of academia. You know, if you've published um, fifty-two works and have three PhDs in your twenty-seven. <laughs> you're kind of a savant. You're not really, you know, like you're not taking that seriously. You'd better yeah. be about 75. And so
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I equate age with a lot of um, brevity that I want as well in this world. You know, if you meet a 22 year old that has four kids, it's like, ah, you've had kind of a yeah. tough life. You meet a 40 year old that has it. It's, you know, so those types of things kind of weigh out. And I think it's a reminder of that it's weird in my mother's day, this, you know, this compliment that you look so much younger for your age. Why? And why are those two things yeah. attached to yeah. beauty and re-questioning those things I think are good. I'm curious how you tie in the sexy part because um, I've in, I've looked a great deal into menopause and um, we've, I've had a lot of conversations with women organically when they talk about their career. They talk about menopause, either approaching, going through it or having gone through it. It, it plays into one's life in all aspects, regardless of how yeah. much we think we can hide or are taught to hide from it. But yeah. um, the sexy aspect is something that a lot of women talk about um, when they when they have a successful outcome with menopause, even before experiencing it, of reclaiming. It feels that they, they have this relationship where they felt like they were kind of detached from it because the conversation, they couldn't have an honest dialogue with their environment. And so they couldn't be sexy within that. And I'm wondering how you include that into your philosophical structure with your clients because it seems like a more difficult aspect with women over fifty.
1: Well, it is. I struggled with that when I first um, went through menopause and my body went nuts. Literally, it went nuts, and um, I went to my doctor and I said, "What the hell is going on?" She goes, "Oh, you're going through menopause. You know, just you know, exercise more and eat less." Well, I'm like. Have you met me? You know, yeah. no one exercises more or he's better. And so then she said, "Um, you just have to deal with it." And literally, my libido was non-existent. Hmm. So I'm with this man who's nine years older than me. And we're not having sex anymore because I just don't I don't have the desire. And so he's coming to me and he's saying, You know what's going on. You know you're not attracted to me. I was afraid to tell him that I was going through menopause because I'm kind of like he's gonna think I'm old. Now he's nine years older than me, and I'm worried about him thinking that I'm old. So so I had to figure out how to get my body back and feel like myself again, so that I could feel like I could have a normal sex life and I could have a normal relationship and not all those kinds of things. And that's where I talk about the sexy part. I think that every woman still wants to feel like that they're the desire of their man's eye or the desire of their partner's eye or whatever. They still want to feel like that they're a woman in every sense of, in every sense of what that means. I can remember the first time I realized my mom was a woman and I was like, (gasps) She's a woman. I don't, you know, that she had yeah. those wants and desires and all those kinds of things. So the sexy part I say is recapturing mm-hmm. yourself and feeling good and wanting to still have that part of your life apart, yeah. like it hasn't gone away.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's it's a crucial and integral one that um, a lot of people look. Yeah, it's absolutely. really, it's
1: really, really important. Um, you know, the 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 sexual beings of us is also important. And hey, it's good for your health.
0: Yes, it is. Health is old really optimal yeah. health is happiness and from all different aspects. I agree. And I think that you do a good job of incorporating that. I want to pivot and go back to your website development and what right. um, because I think that so here is my um assumption, and this comes from 20 years of, you know, sitting around Silicon Valley and kind of bird's eye view with a very little invested myself, just watching people develop businesses for 20 years. Um, And my interest in it is that there seems to be a great deal of conversation that people have with their brand when they go in to develop a website that they hadn't had before. As, even as tincture-based as someone can think that they are, they've gotten to the core axiomatic principles of what their brand is. When they go to develop a website, it is completely reanalyzed, um, you mm-hmm, know, there mm-hmm. because it's, it's a visual process, it's a non-communicative, verbally, it's a, you know, the, the whole platform changes, like with any art that imposes on the other senses and so I want to know if that happened for you if it kind of fine-tuned what your brand was as you started to develop the website and indeed take it from this informal to the formal brand and if so what things came out of that time period
1: um the website is always evolving as the brand evolves um it will change probably in a couple of months somewhat to be more engaging towards my specific audience. As I become more clear, as I became more clear on who it was that my target audience was, the website changes to go towards that. Like right now, the website talks about what we offer, but it doesn't really go into the specifics of where I'm really catering towards women over 50, I really want to change this conversation about aging. I really want to build this community, a community where women can, you know, meet up with other like-minded women that aren't afraid, that are brave to have real conversations about issues that, that concern them. Uh, the other day, I had, um, with everything going on in the country right now, um, I've started my community on Facebook, and one of the members says, "Hey, you know, I want to have a conversation about, about race, mm-hmm. and racism, you know." And so people are thinking, "Well, why would I have a conversation about race and racism on a health and wellness, you know, lifestyle brand?" Well, you know, that creates a lot of stress. I am a black woman, um, so I get a bunch of women together. Half were black, half were white. We have this zooming. We have this intense conversation around race. Hmm. Um, I was really terrified to have it, to be honest with you, because I'm like, yeah. this is such a hot button topic. But I'm glad that I did, because here are these women that are a part of this community, the Pure Joy Wellness community. They want to have dialogues about different things. They're not women who are just, you know, I'm interested in having a bikini body in six weeks. That's not who we are.
0: Right.
1: Okay? That's not it. These are women who have lived lives. They're interested in what's happening in the country. They're interested in politics. They're interested in, in climate change. They're, they wanna have conversations about it. So we frame it in terms of how does it affect your health? You know, right. the race issue for the black women, how does it create stress in your life?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, how does that, how do you manage that? Climate change, how is that affecting you? You know, You know, is it, are you having clean drinking water? How is this affecting your life? And if it's affecting your what can we do about it? So, you know, when 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 I look at other brands that are health and wellness brands, they're dealing with things, and maybe it's because we're older, you know, because I'm older, because I have a broader interest. Um, and I know that these women do too, that our brains are not just, you know, one dimensional, but they're multi-dimensional. We have lots of different interests, but all of these things do affect our well-being. And it always comes back to that.
0: Absolutely. I think so it's going go amazing. back to answer your question.
1: The website changes as the brand gets clearer on the focus of who our target audience is and what it is that they actually want.
0: Yeah. And as it changes, as you fulfill that, the dialogue between yeah. those two. Absolutely. And yeah. it should be ever-changing, I'm a a powerful, as we talked about a little bit about the view, you know, I I think that brands that don't change, don't represent real people behind them. It's toilet paper. It's, it's very weird. You know, it's not, it's not a real thing, especially in service industry. Uh, People get into conversations about wanting strongholds and, you know, know, the Coca-Cola emblem and all of these things. And I'm like, if it's not changing and constantly being reevaluated, it's not. It evolves
1: because as human beings, we evolve. Like what I felt about health and wellness in my 20s is certainly not how I see it in my 60s. I mean, I can see elements of that. You know, I talk about like in my 20s, Jane Fonda was really big and everybody was following Jane Fonda, but Jane Fonda didn't talk about that she was bulimic. No, that would have been a real conversation. Yeah. So everybody's trying to get to where Jane Fonda is without having all that information. Right. Yeah. So, would you say that was really healthy? Um, it could have been if we would have had that real conversation, but we weren't having that conversation around bulimia. Right. Um, and how many women trying to buy into this norm that we're supposed to be a certain size and everything we did to try to fit into that size, you know, no one was really talking about that until Karen Carpenter died of anorexia there's like mm-hmm. what what is that yeah. you know what I mean so it it's it's like what I want to do is before we get to that point let's have those conversations like how are how do you feel about your body
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: you know I know how I there's sometimes I wake up in the morning I look at my body and I go oh. you know I hate this I hate this I hate that other times I wake up and I'm like I'm like I'm gorgeous yeah you know, but there are a lot of women out there that uh, don't like the way that they look. I have women in their 70s bringing me pictures of what they look like when they were 18, hmm. and I'm going, "Really? This is this is your goal?" Yeah, that's <laughs> and really framing will... it for them that you know, when I look at my body when I was 18, yeah, it was great. I would look horrible like that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, and you'd have to, Benjamin. I mean, the whole concept of looking how one wasn't emotionally—do you really want your emotional state at eighteen? That's absurd. But the
1: thing is, but people aren't thinking about that. That's right.
0: that's that's
1: the missing link. So it's like tying it all together. This is why I'm saying: looking at the whole picture. Most people fragment it, and they go, "Okay, they their their body. They want to, this part, but they're not making that connection to be, you know, well, what does that mean exactly? Like I've had, I've had. Um, women say things to me, and I, I, I'm going. I, I don't. I'm not connecting the two. That, uh, and then I meet their moms, and then I get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Yeah. So it, it, it's a complicated. We're complicated, you know, creatures. And the, the big thing for me, it's about acceptance. You know, getting to mm-hmm. the point where, okay, you may not have thighs that are a size uh, zero but your thighs are okay because they're, they're moving you. They're taking you around in the world and, and you're getting around and that, and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm curious throughout that, because you have kind of this legacy, you started off informally and then went into this formal aspect. You have your hands in all of the different pots through from the business aspect to the emotional, the spiritual, the physical health. What are some of the trends that you've seen change over the past decade um, regarding all of those things, particularly in women above 50? Like, have you seen a, um, a growth of like, for interest, in, um, for example, interest in menopause or things of that nature change over the past 10 years? Like, what kind of, how is that industry and that personality? Women are
1: just now starting to talk about menopause. I think I saw there was an article that, that Vogue magazine published, uh, it was a couple of months ago, about menopause being the new frontier in women's health. And it was like, oh, my God, people are starting to talk about menopause. I see other uh, practitioners starting to really engage in that conversation around menopause, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a really, really good thing. Because when I went through menopause, no one wanted to talk about it. Right? There was no one wanted to talk about it. It was like hush, hush you know, secret thing you don't, you don't talk about. I think the more we open up and we expand and we talk about those experiences, like, what is that like? What does that mean? Menopause to me in the beginning, was very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now I see it as an opportunity, you know, one, I don't have to have a period anymore. Thank goodness. <laughs> I, don't have to go, I don't have to go through that, but it, it kind of frees me up a little bit, you know? So I think it's important for us to start having a conversation. And when it starts going mainstream, you know, that the shift is, the shift is coming. When Vogue starts publishing articles about menopause, you know, that that shift is starting to come as more women are, you know, becoming older. You see things like, um, people are starting to embrace being 50. Like the celebrities are starting to embrace being 50. Jennifer Lopez just turned 50 and there was a big thing like, oh, J-Lo's turning 50. And So that becomes the conversation that getting older is not a bad thing. And a lot of celebrities are kind of embracing that. But then that brings on a different kind of conversation because women are going, well, I don't, I'm over 50, but I don't look like that. Right. And and am I supposed to look like that at 50? And I feel like a failure because I don't look like that at 50. And what I say to that is, you know, we have to stop comparing, you know, ourselves to other women. Women are, we're our worst critics. We have to go here. This is where I am and embrace where I am and be the best that I can be. Right. And uh, one of my favorite books is um, The Four Agreements.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And in the four agreements, there's this one thing that says, always do your best. Knowing that your best is going to be different from day to day. But as long as you do your best, that's, that's all you can ask for. And so if I'm trying to compare myself to Jennifer Lopez, I'm going to feel horrible. I'm going to fail. But if I only compare myself to me, then I'm, I'm kicking ass. I'm rocking it, you know? Yeah. And so um, I, like I think that. that's, that, that's kind of where we are. So as the celebrities start embracing 50 then and they look a certain way, that brings on a whole other thing for women who aren't celebrities on what yeah. the expectation is supposed to be. And I'm saying the expectation is all on ourselves.
0: Yeah and I've seen a trend speaking to that. I think that this is um from my own personal testimony but I'm 43 and I felt like when I started having children I started relatively young because in the Bay Area the average age for women starting to have children was in their 30s and I was 27. Uh-huh. So I was cutting that that curve um I, it wasn't spoken about. There was very few baby clothes to choose from. Everything was incredibly sexist. Uh, everything. And then it felt like within seven years, all of Hollywood started having children and the market just boom yeah, you could get organic yeah. diapers this yeah. and that and the other. Oh, yeah. it was this like awakening strollers used to be really almost barbaric and now are like <laughs> and, a gorgeous machinery like practically making you coffee and, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so it's when
1: the celebrities decide they're, they're come going up. through that then it's yeah. like oh okay now it's okay
0: so I feel like female issues are slowly and with that what happens everyone starts studying um, birth IVF all of the new forms of family start to become talked about and engaged with and accepted and so I'm hoping but that that comes with menopause as well because we don't have anyone studying aren't it.
1: not talking about menopause yet. No, so. and that's the issue and also they're not talking about menopause.
0: We need yet. funding as well. No one studied it. You know, I had an MD go on record with me saying you don't understand. Like we haven't even studied the female heart. We study a group of hearts, largely our white men. And we say, that's what we know about the human heart. They were like, there are fundamental differences between oh, female well, yeah. and male bodies.
1: I, I know that I've spoken to women that were very angry and they say like when a man reaches a certain age, they develop that little blue pill. Yeah. So they could still, you know, and insurance pays for it. There's nothing for women in that regard. There's absolutely nothing. So we have to learn how to figure that out on our own, but that's still the difference between men and women. As long as men are like in power they're thinking about themselves and not. Yeah.
0: We'll find (laughs) out. We have to get there. We're on our way. We are and we're a campaign, you know, (laughs) you and I, we're going to get there all of us. Um, I'm wondering moving forward with the future because you've had this growth and you had this natural growth in the beginning and then you implemented, and you're very good about being tangible and and changing everything up and really listening to the community and your goals. Do you make goals for like the next one to three years? Is that the way that you look at the future and your company and your work? And if so, what are some of those now?
1: Some of my goals are expanding the community. I really want to do – sort of like a a talk series, you know, have a place where women can come and have these conversations, Mm -hmm. uh, bring in speakers and and do that kind of thing. I also want to compile the Pure Joy Wellness Center. And in that center encompasses all the things that Pure Joy Wellness is. So there would be an auditorium where we would have those conversations. Um, There would be a test kitchen where you bring in different chefs and you um, teach how to cook, you know, healthy meals and also talk about nutrition and that kind of thing. There would also be, you know, a training floor for movement, um, exercise, but Mm -hmm. also for mobility. Because as women get older, mobility and flexibility and balance is really, really crucially important. So there would be an emphasis on that. Then we have um, I'm I'm off for pampering and spa services and things like that too. So I believe in uh, you know facials and massages and all those things to take care of yourself as well as you know meditation. We've had sleep pods where women can come in in the middle of the day where they just want to get away from their husbands or their kids or whatever and they can come in and take a nap, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, um, and and like acupuncture and stuff like that. So it would be a place where women could come together they can kind of hang out, if they just want to hang out, or they can participate in, in all of those other things. So I believe in there being a very heavy educational component to it. This is why I would want to bring in uh, speakers and, again, have a place where women can come and they can really talk. I think there's this hunger for women to be able to talk about what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're going through. Um and and so that they don't feel alone and they don't feel invisible.
0: Yes. Absolutely. And and
1: I really do want to change the conversation about aging being a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I do too. I think that so, it's key to happiness. Um, because yeah, it's, so that, it's so happening. Everyone yeah. acts even, like we, we it's going to happen. You can lie about it's it. It's happen. Yeah, but 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 we're still
1: in denial of it. And yeah. I just want women to embrace it and and, um, you know, and I'm going to do that part to try to make that happen. Now, people say to me, oh, well, you can say that because you look the way that you look. Mm-hmm. Like you're 60 something, but you don't look like you. And this is all true. But I've been working on it for a very, very long time. And a big part of that hasn't been my exterior. It's been my interior. Mm-hmm. Working on myself from the inside out. Because I believe that the health comes from the, from the inside out, not from the outside in
0: absolutely where will it be the center which state which the, the city? flagship will i'm hoping
1: for it to be in manhattan i've already done the renderings for it and all of that my goal ultimately if it works in manhattan we would kind of have it in different cities around the country ah. so it'd be yeah so it'll be a place for women over 50 to come to
0: beautiful i can't wait own. for mine bring it here <laughs> San Diego or Definitely. LA? I'll go up north for it. You bet. Definitely. Well, we're not. We're out of time. We're to my final question, and for those of you that follow the series, it's some of your favorites as well. And everyone knows it's one of my favorite things to ask. But I'm wondering, um, particularly with the most recent um, state of affairs, um, both with the pandemic as well as the um, social uprising and um, unease and, and things like that happening right now. I want all of those things considered in your answer because I don't think it's fair to kind of do it in a vacuum. But if you were at a safe social distance tomorrow in a park or a garden somewhere and, and a young woman or um, female identified non-binary individual, anyone other than um, kind of a cisgendered white man walked up to you tomorrow and said, listen, listen, um, I'm so glad I found you. I've, I've got this incredible background. I started off, I, you know, I thought I was going to go into radio. I went into television. I had this prolific career. I spanned um, multiple different enterprises. I flagshipped a, a great deal of things. And then um, one day I up and um, on the heels of a great success, turned around and started my own wellness journey. And I'm just getting ready to kind of launch in and do that now. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now?
1: Number one, make sure you're passionate about it Mm. because being an entrepreneur and starting a business is really, really hard. So you have to have that passion for when things, because there are times you're going to wonder, you know, maybe I should go out and get a real job. (laughs) So, so passion is really, really important Two, find a mentor, Mm. surround yourself with, either other entrepreneurs uh, or a mentor or someone who has walked that path because it's a lonely place to be. It helps when you have other people that understand what you're experiencing because your, your friends really don't, you're, you know, it's, it's, it, you need people that, that understand. And the last thing that I would, a piece of advice that I would give is as long as you believe that's possible and you believe in yourself then go for it girl just go for it
0: absolutely i completely concur and i think that people can hear those kinds of words and not really resonate with it believing is is everything it's really i mean every cult founder knew that I don't know why we can't figure it out. (laughs) You know, there have been people who believe some crazy things. Yes. All right. So I have number one, make sure you're passionate about it. Number two, find a mentor. You need a community. You need people to advise you as well. And number three, as long as you believe in it, go for it, girl. That's so perfect. I love it. Renata, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We're out of time and I'm devastated. I could talk with you all afternoon.
1: (laughs) You're wonderful.
0: Absolutely. And for everyone listening, um, this has been Renata Joy speaking with us. She's the founder, nutrition expert, and personal trainer. You can find out more about all of her endeavors um, on her website, www.purejoywellness.com. Thank you so much for giving me and us your time today. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.